Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn, joined by my co-host, Ryan Donnelly. And Ryan, um, we have we have sort of surprising uh, college football news today. The entire Alabama football program has been raptured to football Valhalla. They are, they're gone. They're not here anymore. Um, and this is, a, I'd say, a pretty historic day for the sport and certainly for this podcast as we have been, I, I think, praying for this and... and uh, Really fighting the fight to uh, to make this happen for for years now. That's right. That's right. Uh, it's time to we're putting Nick Saban up on that cross. Um, <laughs> you know, in this premise, he's just disappearing. But we're actually <laughs> I didn't tell Patrick this. We have arranged for his crucifixion, and uh-huh. um, of course, he he will eventually rise from the dead in about two and a half days, uh, as is tradition. But. Um, he just has that dog in him, but but no, no longer. He will no longer be allowed to torture us, to torment us, to to ruin the sport we love. Um, he's relegated to being the prime minister of Pakistan. Um, his, his other job. Did you see that picture I tweeted today? No. What's the picture? Go to my Twitter if you. Uh, everyone here, just if you listen to this podcast, just go ahead and go to my Twitter. Just have a good laugh. Scroll through my tweets, the usual. Yeah, you're just going. Um, you're going to want to sort through Ryan's tweets. Um, you're going to want to sort through my tweets. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, sure. this, yeah. <laughs> that's Nick Saban. Yeah, that's Nick Saban. Good for him. You know, he's. I, you know, everybody needs a new challenge sometimes, and uh, I, I am excited to see that he is going to be the new. No, I guess he's not the new. He is already the prime minister of, of Pakistan. So he did it. He, he That's right. We knew yeah. he could do it and he did it. Um, but yeah. And he's also, I mean, you got to give him credit. The reforms he's making are substantial. Are they? <laughs> who's, who's, <laughs> who's to say? Yeah, we uh, blanket, blanket statement here from Flipping the Field. We endorse everything happening in Pakistan and everything that the governor or prime minister, I guess, of Pakistan believes. We agree with all of it. Correct. Um, Patrick, is... Patrick called him a governor because he does still believe the East India Company is in charge of Pakistan. Yeah, I, I uh, think but... of every country that is in America <laughs> as a state because that's just how, you know, it's not the there's only one country that matters to me right it's the u.s of a it's the Ohio. rest of them are yeah the rest of them are yeah. states it's not I, I mean yeah you're you're pointing at germany and saying that's ohio you're yeah. looking at poland and saying that's ohio you're looking at you know south africa that's ohio yeah that's um, that's just the future you know home of uh of germany state university the fourth best big 10 team in basketball right like that's not right that's no country still team. and they're also if they're beating chris holtman in the big 10 tournament yeah of course <laughs> well yeah it's listen they've got a good they have a guard and that's like step one to beating that's the one and only step to beating chris holtman is having a guard but uh anyway uh nick saban he's up on the cross he's actually going to come back it's interesting in one and a half days because he's just okay he's you know he's he's built a, he's built a little bit he's examined the process he found jesus yeah. some fat to trim <laughs> he uh, <laughs> he's, he's, made, he's made more efficient being resurrected um right but he's been he's studying jesus's rate of force development like velocity curve he's like look this guy is not biomechanically efficient yeah, uh, it's time to it's time to move on from this. Yeah, but uh, also real quick here, if you guys would be interested in flipping the field, doing more about Pakistani politics, potentially getting involved in the races ourselves, uh-huh. uh, drop a comment uh, with a five star review. Let us know how you think we can help uh, influence politics of Pakistan, or kind of what our role could be in that situation. And a lot of people don't know this, but actually, in the five star reviews of flipping the field, and it only works with five star reviews, you can vote there for any election you want for uh-huh. you know, state, um, you know, national elections within your own country, within other countries, and you can do it as many times as you want. So come, you know, twenty twenty two midterms, come the next Pakistan election, 
um, you can just file your vote there and it counts and you can do it as many times as you want if you leave a five-star review. And I think a lot of people don't realize that loophole, but um, yeah. it's, you know, that's, that's and what... Well, I mean, a lot of folks were mad at us because that is how we got elected as the uh, police chiefs and about a bad Pakistan in 2011. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> what it. was happening there was not really our fault. I don't think we have any... <laughs> Any, there's no one could possibly say that we were supposed to just come no, in the, day one on the job and the you know only, know if there was a, a mastermind terrorist living beneath our 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 you know our jurisdiction yeah. and, and if he was that's not my problem either. The only thing we ran on was changing the name to about a good. We wanted it was just a branding <laughs> thing. I don't know what you guys wanted us to do about this. It's not our fault. We just wanted to change the right. name. It's a it's a public perception thing. It's it's not for us. It was more of like a, it was more of like a Mountain Dew mystery flavor kind of election. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, we're creating Pakistan code red and it's uh everybody's really excited to find out what that means <laughs> anyway <laughs> Nick Saban's damn we got we, we got to Osama bin Laden was our fault 10 minutes in the podcast but it's been five minutes don't worry we <laughs> um, oh, no. anyway Nick Saban's physical form has been permanently compromised he has transcended this plane as have all of his players and coaches yeah um <laughs> well, hang on, hang on. we actually we forgot the part too where as part of this episode we did actually get rid of Nick Saban uh, and whenever we sent flipping the field Air Force Team Six into his compound, uh-huh. we did find him watching My Little Pony porn. Yeah, uh, that he had on several several like boxes worth of DVDs he had loaded up. Um, what what are your comments on that, Patrick? Well, I I did like that it, it and people don't realize this. His office, the way it's actually set up, the one that you see that rec- recruits go into, that's not his real office. That's not where he's doing real work. His real office is underneath that office. He's got the exact setup that Osama bin Laden had, where he has like the little dug down hole where his feet can stick out, and he's got a fan blowing into his little space, but there's not <laughs> anything else going on. That's how Nick Saban does it. He's got a TV screen on the in the dirt above him, and he's just watching tape. And it's that's his. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you remember when uh i mean i know you probably weren't even alive yet but whenever the, the new york times used to make those like diagrams of like what like uh at the time it was uh saddam hussein but also they went for a song a lot into like what his hideout in the mountains might look like uh-huh. and it was those like uh like anthill diagrams where he's like drilled down a thousand feet to the mountains yeah. somehow and has yeah. like 30 rooms with different uses yeah uh nick saban has that but they're just all for watching tape There's, yeah. he just has like uh he just goes from room to room throughout the day and has a, there's a loop of tape in each room and he's just like wandering like a, a restless poltergeist from room to room yeah. just watching tape as the day progresses. Yeah, we're, we're creating a Nick... That, what, that's what we're doing is he's being raptured, but also we're creating a Nick Saban zoo where he has different opportunities for enrichment and they're all just different <laughs> games on a television. And then he has one... It's like only a, film. Yeah, yeah it's, and it's, then it's like... Except... Uh, and there's and there's one room where he... Uh, sorry, there's one room where he tells recruits parents that their gumbo is good and a yeah. second one where he practices the electric slide the other 28 are just all film rooms <laughs> yeah and he's got each room has a different kind of chair in it so there's one where it's like a tire on a you know on a rope there's another one where it's just a regular chair there's a bean bag and it's just on how he's feeling you know you can't those guys they get bored so easily and he's he's solitary he doesn't want other people there um but he does need to have some enrichment and so we do have 2013 texas a&m so that he can drive himself absolutely fucking crazy while he's on the tire swing um and so nick say don't don't worry about nick saban's physical form his soul's not there anymore he, his soul's in Valhalla. 
Valhalla, but we do have to take care of his physical form after he resurrects. And so we are excited to announce the Flipping the Field Nick Saban Zoo, where you can go and you can watch him grind the tape. And he's, you know, he's got nice, uh, he's got lots of enrichment. They've got a dog to keep him from getting too anxious. It's uh, it's a really good place for his uh, for his his uh, physical form to forever occupy. What if there's like a, a ghost of Christmas, like future past or present situation? We were taking uh, Nick Saban around to like different opportunities in his past where he could uh-huh. become a better coach. <laughs> and he's like watching uh, 2013 Alabama, uh, like with Kirby Smart calling defense against Texas A&M, or he's watching like the 2014 team with uh, with uh, Kiffin calling the offense and just forgetting to give Derrick Henry the ball. Yeah, and he's just like absolutely losing his mind, screaming at the TV, but can't do anything about it. Yeah, um, I, it's, it's, I think he deserves that. It's funny. We are doing that, but we are also doing a different Christmas movie with that pretty much exact premise. We're doing It's a Wonderful Life to him, where we're removing him from the world that he lives in, and we're seeing how it reacts to that. Um, right. And he has to watch it the whole time. He has to see, you know, he goes into the uh, he goes into the coach's bar, and uh, nobody knows who he is, and he's just watching Kirby Smart get tanked with Ryan Day. And he's like, this is wrong. This is wrong. Why don't they know who I am? I, you know, and it's, uh, he's getting thrown out, and, and it's, uh, he he, this is really a, it's it's sort of a, it's actually a nightmare punishment that we have concocted here for Nick Saban. He, oh yeah, he is fucking miserable. Yeah, he hates scenario. this. He hates this. This is the worst thing for Nick Saban. And so that is what we are, uh, what we're doing here today. Ryan, Nick Saban's gone. He's transcended. He's he's out of here. Except for his physical form is still here, and we've we've already discussed all the fun things that we're going to do with that. That's right. In the, a, uh, and actually, a, you can a buy a you can buy a copy of him in the in the metaverse, and so you can do whatever you want with him. But um, <laughs> whatever you want. <laughs> whatever. Listen, when I say whatever you want, it's it's no no holds barred. All holds uh, actually recommended. You need to do them all to him. Yeah. Um, but Ryan, Nick Saban's gone. Who in the college football ecosphere? That's not a word. Um, who who is ecosphere is kind of a word. It's kind of a say. word. It's a couple different words combined into one word, and that's just. I think ecosphere is a real word. Is fact. it? I don't think so. Ecosystem. I was that was what I was trying to say. Um, ecosphere is the biosphere of the Earth and other planet, especially when the interaction between the living and non-living components is emphasized. It's yeah, a real word. That's probably what it was that I was thinking. Yeah. <clears throat> um, who who in the college football ecosystem is most benefiting from this yeah so we really didn't do any notes for this podcast so we were kind of just we were kind of just brainstorming it out like five minutes before we start recording because i think it's kind of like to me it's interesting in in like four four or five different phases right so i I think like the first one is like what happens in the sec because also we should clarify this for the parameters of our podcast sake um alabama is just being replaced it doesn't exist anymore it's not being replaced in the sec it's just gone So the SEC is playing with 15 teams uh, in uneven divisions. Alabama no longer exists. Its boosters no longer exist. Its players no longer exist. Nick Saban no longer exists. Its assistant coaches don't exist. They're all gone. Everyone is gone. Um, They're the new season of leftovers. So if that were to happen, like who benefits the most? To me, the obvious answer is these like the series of like second tier contenders or of programs that have in the past competed for national championships, but can't do so. And they see West because Nick Saban's there. Like teams who just, except for one or two anomalies cannot get past Saban. Yeah. And right now that list is LSU, Texas A&M, and to a lesser extent, Ole Miss and Auburn. Yeah. Um, to me, I think the most interesting, like are those first two, like LSU and Texas A&M have both obviously committed more money than anyone else in college football to trying to beat Nick Saban. Um, LSU did it with, with Ed Horgeron and then they 
I couldn't couldn't handle how uh, attractive he was uh-huh. and had to replace him because of that. Um, but I think like, I, I guess there was a few components here. Like, are, do you want to talk about like the recruiting component first? Do you want to talk about like what it means to the field? Like, wh- how do you want to attack this? Well, I, I think that it can be, I, th- I think that the micro sort of goes into the, into the macro here. It is, it it's you know, recruiting wise, obviously this has, I would say pretty enormous implications for especially those teams, but really for everybody because of how national Alabama is, is, you know, has been recruiting for the entirety of the Saban run. But like within those teams specifically, I'm not, I'm not sure recruiting is the issue. Right. And so I don't know how much it impacts these guys. I think that it might be more impactful for the second tier within the West, like an Ole Miss, like an Auburn, especially Auburn. Um, And then, the you know teams that even aren't in the SEC like a Florida State who has had Miami picked clean for years by Alabama or Miami who has had Miami picked clean or Texas who will be in the SEC but has you know it currently isn't and has seen a ton of its top players leave um, California which you know currently its top two quarterbacks in the class of 2020 are at Alabama and Ohio State so I I, I almost wonder if the recruiting part of this impacts the the you know everybody else born and not really the teams like LSU and Texas A&M that are frankly already right near or on Alabama's level in recruiting at least in in recent seasons yeah and I think like if you take a look at like the map of where they sign kids from too which I'm actually currently working on uh to figure out we because again we did not prepare for this podcast um uh, <laughs> uh I think it becomes clear that like a lot of schools uh, stand to benefit, right? Like it's, yeah. it, you know, like uh, like you said, a lot of them are in the, the south, the southern region among them. But of course, Alabama's recruiting heavily in California. Of course, they're recruiting heavily in Texas. They signed a few players from Ohio in the last few years too. Like, yeah, uh, they're they're not shying away from that. Um, they're basically willing to go everywhere. Um, I, I think one of the, like the biggest beneficiaries, though, to me, uh, is going to be Auburn, right? Like yeah. Auburn goes from a school that's that's basically you know, maybe like the fourth or fifth best team recruiting the state of Georgia. It's the, the second best team recruiting the state of Alabama. It's the third or fourth best team in Louisiana. It's like the eighth best team in Texas. Like it's not really first place anywhere. Um, to now being a huge beneficiary of the talent boost of, of the state of Alabama, right? Yep. The state of Alabama has had a significant development in overall talent these last, uh, last several years, last like decade, really. Alabama has really emerged as, a state that's basically equivalent to an Ohio or maybe maybe a little lower than Ohio, like maybe a Pennsylvania or Michigan in talent yeah. production. Football, well, in, in, in 2023 especially, right? If this is happening today, that's, I mean, Auburn is, it's, it's you know, eyes are getting like the cartoon wolf, you know, they're, they're popping out of its head, right? That, that The 2023 class in Alabama is, what, as good as it has ever been? Yeah, I'd say so. I think that's pretty much correct. Yeah, it's it's just like, they're developing in a way I don't think a lot of us saw coming, yeah. uh, which is really cool. And I'm sure it's also, by the way, we, we should point out, that's like a function of what Alabama does in the field too, right? Yes. Um, yes. Like, the, like I think high school football enrollment is even bigger than it was before because of how good Alabama is. Yeah. Is that crazy to say? I don't think that that's crazy. I think that there is, a, I would imagine, a, a correlation of some sort. It might not be a super strong one. And and we also, this this ties lightly, not not significantly because we we talked about before about how a lot of high school coaches are not 
going to learn anything because they're just not very smart. But um, right, you know, Alabama having the strength and conditioning staff that it does, sharing the information that it does, has probably impacted at least a couple kids uh, at the high school ranks. Right, you know, a couple, a couple strength and conditioning coaches, high school coaches in the state have gone to clinics and learned things. Um, so I, I think I'll that to say, I, I don't think, know if we can assume that. I think Alabama has played at least a part in this. The the Alabama the football program, not Alabama the the state. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, I, I do think that, like, I mean, look, it's massive. It's massive for Auburn, especially. Like, like Auburn is a school that just the last few years, like, even they've had games or, or like stretches where they've beaten or equaled Alabama like pretty consistently, they just don't usually get out of their own way, right? Like, yeah. they are like their own craziness hampers them. And I think when you have like a unified opportunity of like, hey, like we now have the chance to dominate the state of Alabama in the same way Louisiana dominates the state of LSU. Like even though it's a slightly lower level and you don't quite get as many guys as Louisiana as LSU does out of Louisiana, it still changes the shape of your program, right? You go from being like a fringe national title contender who needs a Cam Newton to win uh, to being a team that can be in the hunt every single year. Like outside of maybe Georgia and Ohio State, you're in that next tier of jobs of like Clemson, LSU, Texas A&M, Texas, Oklahoma. Uh, USC of like you have a very clear path to get enough talent to win a national championship. It's pretty much straightforward. Yeah, I mean, unless I'm just forgetting a state here, it would be what you you know if you're if you're Auburn, Auburn, LSU, and Ohio State at least right now until Cincinnati joins the Big Twelve are like would be the only three what Power Five schools that are alone in their states, and those states are talent heavy, right? Like they're they're they produce solid recruits consistently. I don't think there's another one. Yeah, I mean, the other ones that are solo in their state would be, again, Utah for now, but BYU's joining Big 12. Yeah. Uh, Nebraska, which is a terrible state for football. Um, that's it. Yeah, I think that's right? is I, there any... I think that's about it. Like there are maybe there are there are one or two. Like I don't know if there's Minnesota. Any... I forgot about Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota Wisconsin. Wisconsin's, Wisconsin's probably the fourth best uh, situation there, right? Like even yeah. though like they don't have a ton of guys, they're still putting out like. Eight to ten P five kids a year, it seems like. Yeah, which also kind of just as an aside, kind of weird that no one ever talks about that. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone talk about the fact that Wisconsin has, you know, the same sort of setup that LSU and Ohio Actually, State have. I, um, I think before he left for the Vanderbilt job, uh, Barton Simmons did a pretty good uh, uh, podcast that actually about how like these kids basically wouldn't be going P five if they weren't going to Wisconsin and Minnesota, the two yeah. states to go to, two schools to go to rather. Like they probably would be playing for Mac schools instead, but also a lot of the reason those guys don't get ranked correctly is just it's such a geographically isolated state. Like it's such a fucking bear of a time to get up to those like rural Wisconsin towns for like when you can also just safely say like, yeah, he's a Wisconsin lineman, he's a three star. If we make all of them three stars, one of these five will develop into an NFL player, yeah, and the other four will play some period of time and not play the league, right? Like it's just a safe bet if you just yeah. do it that way. Is there, so, <laughs> is the, off the top of my head, I do not know the answer. Is there a second P5 team in Maryland or New Jersey along with, with no. Maryland? Or no, Rutgers? just Maryland. Uh, I but, guess, but yeah, but I mean like... I don't know that those are states. Maryland, Maryland compar- is... Comparable either. Yes. It's hard to say, right? Because like technically Penn State is not in those states, but like I think they function as much as an in-state recruiter as those two schools do. Yeah. Um, and there are... there are. So. I think that there might be a couple others, but the they're all regions like that where you have a, yeah, a I guess Syracuse sort of, too, right? Yeah. yeah. That's sort of present in the area for Syracuse. It's the same thing. And also Syracuse is in a state that I would say is probably 
producing even less talent than like Wisconsin. I don't know off the top of my head, but I don't think of a ton. Definitely of less talent. Yeah, that's not even close. Yeah. It, it's like Erasmus Hall and that's it. That's, there's not a whole lot of talent coming out of New York. There's a couple of schools. There's Canisius brothers in Buffalo too. Yeah. yeah. And then you're, you know, you go terrible. up into the, into the Northeast, you might have a couple, but again, it's not really, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think Boston college is probably the only one in Massachusetts. Right. Uh, but there's, yeah. there's fucking nothing up there. So it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. But I, it, the point being, Auburn finding itself in this situation would be extremely unique, something that you usually have to um, spend, you know, a, a hundred years governing to make happen, right? You you have to legislate to make this happen, like LSU has, like Ohio State has, uh, to prevent other schools from jumping up and to establish this kind of recruiting monopoly within a such a talent-rich state. This is a, a an advantage that a lot of schools would kill to have, and and I, my my next question with that that ties into Auburn is, in this scenario where Nick Saban is is erased and the program is erased, does Auburn fry, fire Brian Harson today or does it wait another day and then <laughs> fire him? Yeah, I mean he's gone either way, right? Like, I guess who do they go get though right now? I I think that they could probably convince somebody given the circumstances we have. Just sure, sure they could, but I, I even wonder who like who their play is. You just like they could they already tried to get Dave Aranda right. They kind of already yeah. offered him. Yeah, who is the dream? So, I mean, that's that's fair. who's the dream here? Who if you're Auburn in this circumstance, are you day one? You're like okay, Harson's out. Let's go get bang. Is it you just try to probably just try to get Lane Kiffin to come over, right? Yeah, like, Lane. Says yes. does, what? Do, okay, so. He probably says no, but what does Dabo say here? Is Dabo interested? No, in he Auburn? says no. Doesn't want to no. go back to the to the state. Nah, no. Why would he? I mean, like, even Auburn, even with a huge advantage, like a huge increase in their level of talent, is still like just coming up to Clemson's level, and also will still have a harder schedule than Clemson does. Yeah, man, I I, I feel like this would be one of the best jobs in America, uh, and Auburn without Alabama, I think this would be a top five. Job. But but the question is like and maybe it's a chicken and egg thing we don't know the answer to. Do we think Auburn's boosters are insane because they're driven mad by the inability to like beat Alabama? Or do we think it's because they're also just kind of like that? I mean, I think Alabama's are also just kind of like that. It's, 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 I I don't know that it's necessarily as specific to Auburn as people think it is. I think that it's just every, they just have less, like Texas is the same problem, right? But it's just a matter of like, some like some schools, the tail wags the dog. Like I think, like like you uh, kind of cut you off there, but like Alabama used to have this same problem yeah. until Nick Saban came in. Yeah, and and I think Ohio State would have this exact same problem if it wasn't winning football games, and and you know Michigan had this problem under Rich Rodriguez, right? Like this is not. I don't know that this is an Auburn specific problem so much as it is just big schools have crazy boosters and don't you know boosters don't really know what they're doing and so the more you have of them the more push pull there's going to be and more directions people want to go in so i i wonder if i don't think that this is the sort of thing that would really scare off coaches given that the alabama job didn't scare off nick saban or the ohio state job didn't scare off urban meyer things like that right um people still take the texas job (laughs) you know people people sure of course people still take these jobs so i i do think i think auburn would be it would even in you know in april would be a, a an extremely heavy hitter in a coaching cycle that is you know you're coming in in the middle of spring practice you're coming in very late in the cycle you're screwing over whatever team you're with i think they would still be an extremely popular uh you know possibility i almost wonder if they would go to 
just because there, there probably are at least some elite or borderline elite college football coaches who would say no because of the timing specifically. I wonder if they look into the NFL ranks and try to grab somebody there. Um, I have forgotten who all of the coaches in the NFL in the NFL are. Right. But there are some. I mean, they're former... not going to get an active NFL head coach, but you said there's like an OC or like if they can get Byron Leftwich or something like that would be. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, somebody like that. Uh, somebody who Kellen Moore. Yeah, yeah, Urban Meyer. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's not Urban doing Meyer. He's not doing. I mean, actually, literally, the answer is just they would hire Urban Meyer, right? Yeah, just probably. Forget that. And the, I mean, okay, well, that yeah. solves that. Okay, yeah. Uh, on the on the recruiting front, I did while we were talking. I did get the numbers pulled up here. Uh, in the last four years, Alabama has signed uh, more than 10 players from five states. Uh, they signed 25 players from Alabama, 19 players from Florida, 13 players apiece from Georgia and Texas, and 10 players from Louisiana. Um, yeah. So I also, Auburn currently, uh, as of last season, on 24-7 sports college team talent composite, uh, they ranked 14th in the country with 46 total blue stars, or blue chips, rather, blue yeah. stars. Uh if you just assume they got like 15 out of the Alabama's 25 guys, just they get, you know, 60% of those kids, uh, they would become the fourth most talented, their third most talented team in the country behind only Georgia and Ohio State if Alabama was gone. Yeah. Yeah. I, I The more I think about this, the more this would immediately be one of the best jobs in the country. I mean, this is a, like, honestly, without Alabama to contend with, this might be the best job in the country. This is a really, really good job. <laughs> I still think, I still think because of competition factor, you take Georgia and the SEC East over, over Auburn and the SEC West. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that, and the, I think you also take Ohio state because of competition factor. Yeah, and also I, again, like Auburn still, even like, even if the opportunity gets a lot better, they still have to show they can pull in the same direction. It's kind of like you said with Texas, yeah. right? Like Texas is a great opportunity and people still take that job, of course, but even with like an Oklahoma that was just doing the same thing every year, and like a bunch of other teams that sucked, they couldn't figure out how to win. So you still have to be able to capitalize on it and pull in the right direction. Yeah, I, I think that this is probably in that that tier, that Texas tier, where it's easily top 10, borderline top 5, but it is behind the teams that have proven an ability to win consistently. So like Ohio State, like a Georgia, like an LSU. LSU, um, yeah. Probably around Oklahoma, the, even probably. Yeah, Oklahoma, yeah. probably about on the Texas level, roughly where like... USC is right. I think USC is probably in that region as well. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's I think it's a whole other conversation. It's fun to talk about yeah, too. It's but. a it's a very good job. Auburn without Alabama is an extremely extremely good job. Significantly better than it is right now. For sure. Um, um, I, I do think the one other thing to um to talk through uh it is kind of i know we talked a lot about auburn there but the other two teams or three teams in the sec west that we haven't discussed as much are lsu a and m and Ole miss yeah. and uh two of those schools i just reeled off there with lsu and a and m are also significant beneficiaries from alabama's recruiting getting worse right like lsu has lost a lot of guys to alabama including guys yeah. like to smith among others um that's been pretty significant for them. Like they, like they have really not kept a lot of those guys home. who have gotten to be major big time players. Cam Rowe is other one. I know yeah. uh, it was a big time kid for them, but like, you know, just keeping those guys home for LSU changes their program. and makes it even harder to fuck up there than it already is. Um, A&M also recruits Louisiana and Alabama heavily, of course, in addition to Texas, like just, you know, in, like upping their profile in the state of Texas is significant for them. There's like a lot of schools benefit the trickle down effect here. Yeah, I, I do wonder if this does if this almost creates a situation where it it doesn't really spawn quite the parity we're hoping for because 
we we've said before you erase Alabama, then suddenly there's a whole bunch of people who don't really know how to win football games at the top of the sport, uh, at least not at the level that obviously that Nick Saban does, but even really not at a at a super impressive level. Um, I do wonder if this just creates sort of a a cabal of champions in the SEC West, like LSU, A and M, Auburn, and then Georgia in the East, where they're just trading titles every year because they have so much talent that would have otherwise gone to Alabama. Um, and, yeah, and, and, and that's that's like if you just make sorry, again, I, I feel like I'm talking over here, but if, if you just like make Alabama or sorry, make LSU and A&M's recruiting 10% better each, they're just Georgia, right? Like, yeah, that's just that's that's what like Brian Kelly, Jimbo Fisher and and Kirby Smart are all the same guy who can only figure out one side of the ball in any given season, but can recruit their ass off and like win 11 games a year every year. Yeah, that's just the same dude. That's all three the same guy. So which of which of these then, if we're if we're counting, we'll say Auburn with with Urban Meyer as well in this. Which of these is the one that is like the best of the bunch? Is there one that, that separates as being significantly better than the others, or are they all just doing the same thing every year? Urban would, I think, Urban even in today's day and age, as far as he's fallen, I think would still figure out how to beat Jimbo and and Brian Kelly. Yeah, I I kind of feel like I don't know. I I feel like I might be underrating Brian Kelly in this. I think that he might end up doing really well in these circumstances because I mean he had Notre Dame in the playoff pretty consistently and that's not that is not the job that LSU without Alabama would be um and and so I wonder if he's you know a Brian Kelly who's able to almost completely lock down Louisiana would have talent on like Georgia's level I, I almost wonder if he's suddenly a a consistent national title contender and probably a multi-time winner I, I think brian kelly in 2022 and urban meyer in 2022 are not wildly different in terms of coaching ability probably they're both self-limited in similar ways right yeah. like brian kelly just like can only recruit and hire certain kinds of people uh like he just can't match everybody because he's such a dick that's yeah. like a major problem for him and like urban meyer also like it's just has a certain level of like stupidity, blindness, and loyalty that he can only like win to a certain level and inevitably blow certain seasons and games the same way every time because of his same limiting problems. Yeah. So, but like, yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. I, I think it's probably urban, but I do get the Brian Kelly argument. Um, Jimbo, of course, I mean, Jimbo's already doing it, which is a, a point in his factor here. Like, he yeah. already is. He beat Alabama last year, had another, like, he had back to back top 10 finishes. Uh, now is like clearly I think of those three programs would be the closest this year to yeah. stepping forward to win a national championship. I, I do want I, I think that he is honestly of that group if we are just looking at them as coaches, he's the one I'm the least confident in, which is funny because he's the one yeah, definitely. the national championship but... and Kelly isn't, but like I don't know. I mean his we've talked about his offense, right? We've talked about his system and it's just I feel like he's not gonna stop doing that and so I, I think in a world where the talent is roughly equal among those three schools and you also have a Georgia who's about the same level I don't know what Texas A&M does that makes it better because it's just not going to and this is this is a comment on on Texas A&M's program building at large I don't think you're going to out talent these teams regardless of how good the recruiting is unless it is like every single year historic which it was this past year but I I don't know if you're going to do that every year. And so I don't know to what end here because you are just trying to out-talent programs that, frankly, you're not going to enough to overcome your own limitations as a play caller. Yeah, that's pretty much – I mean, that that's might be the case, but I, I don't think we should – like, yes, Jimbo does have, like, fucked up problems to play caller, but he's also shown 
I mean, how many guys in the country have actually like out recruited Alabama this season before? Like that's, yeah. that's not a small thing to look at. Like sure. he's just doing what Kirby did. And like Kirby might've fucked it up <clears throat> for what, like five, six years in a row. But at a certain point, like if you just keep recruiting that level of talent, you'll get the right mix one year. Like someone else will mess up. You'll just win a title because you're the last team standing. Yeah. I, I mean, Ed, or, Ed Orgeron did win a title like three years ago. I, I, that's, I'm, I'm yeah, right. Like yeah. Kirby, like a lot of idiots on national championships. Dabo won yeah. two, Kirby won one, like uh, Orgeron won one. Like a, a lot of guys who don't really like uh, perfect it. Yeah. Uh, can still win a national, yeah, I, like, I, like can still win. Yeah, Gene Chizik won a national championship with Nick Saban at Alabama. Like it's not, it, yeah, it, it's not it, impossible. Yeah, I think Kirby or not Kirby, sorry, Jimbo would be likeliest again next year to break through. Yeah, um, long term, I I don't believe in him as much as I would the other programs involved in this hypothetical. It's kind of funny because like I assume Brian Kelly still won't learn how to call modern offense, so but he'll end up finding a great DC somehow. Yeah, so I think we'll probably have like just three of the same programs, right? Like AM can't score because uh Jimbo once they're on the slowest offense in America. Yeah. Uh Brian Kelly will like despite being an offensive head coach have a terrible offense and find a great defense every year. And uh Kirby is still gonna be Kirby and does not want to score points on offense. Yeah. And they'll just trade off like whoever cycles into having the not worst quarterback uh, in every any given year with the SEC. Well, and then there is, of course, Urban's Auburn, which will hire Corey Dennis as its offensive coordinator. And so that's right. Have, that's they're right. Gonna, they're going to be then, like, limited in their own respect. And then what does Lane Kiffin become in this case? Because, like, yeah. so we haven't talked to Ole Miss yet. I do think that Ole Miss is a program that, while Alabama didn't directly recruit Mississippi as much as they did other states, like yeah. Mississippi, oh, sorry, Ole Miss rather does recruit Mississippi heavily, they recruit. Alabama, Louisiana heavily. They recruit Georgia very heavily, Texas very heavily, Florida probably heavier than any other. All of those states, like they would get a boost in. They would become another spot higher in the rankings. Yeah. Uh, Ole Miss's boosters become that much more prominent whenever Alabama's aren't around. Uh, and Lane is the only one in the conference who knows how to call an offense. Yeah. I, I think that so, my guess is that Ole Miss slots right into the Gus Malzahn Auburn. Um, sort of nine, 10 wins tradition. a year, maybe yeah. where top so, five finish every two years. Sometimes they beat that core top four, right? They pick one of them off. They pick two of them off. They finish about 10 and two. They're consistently really good on one side of the ball, but they can just can't put it all together at once. Cause the talent is a, is a rung lower and it just kind of like drives it's the, them crazy. It's the pre 2021 Harbaugh, Michigan. Yeah. I think that that is the, I think that that's the niche that, that Ole Miss probably fills in this space. I, I think that the, the departure of Alabama, just by virtue of the fact that somebody has to step up, just pushes a bunch of teams up a rung on the ladder. And it happens to be that those three below them, the LSU, Texas A&M, Auburn, probably all end up on the same, the same rung with Ole Miss below them. Do you you think the fact that like currently the only two teams in the conference that had to play offense are Alabama and Ole Miss, the fact that now become just Ole Miss you don't think, I guess Arkansas a little bit too, but you don't yeah. think that means something like, like Ole Miss, maybe like the SEC is still going to be the SEC in Alabama. There might be a whole lot of guys who say, look, I have someone to play in the SEC, but Lane Kiffin's the only coach who knows how to call football games. So like maybe all of a sudden, you know, those three, five-star receivers are going to four, from Florida, they go to Alabama every year. Yeah. Might maybe two of those guys are going to Ole Miss. That's the, that's not a non-zero chance, right? Like that's, yeah. maybe and if he... that happens, if Lane goes from being like the 20th most talented team in college football to top 10 yeah 
he can win a national championship there. Yeah, maybe then maybe the the comparison is Gus Malzahn Auburn with the potential if you get a, a franchise quarterback, if you get a top guy, which Malzahn I don't think ever really did at Auburn, right, as the head coach, then you can become Yeah, Nick Marshall. Yeah, yeah then you can become <laughs> Clemson. You can become Dabo, right? You you can you Yeah, can that's that's actually the formula. You're right. I think it's yeah. Dabo. It's, it's, it's I, I think that right. that's the I think that that's the the floor and ceiling. Floor is, is Malzahn's Auburn. Ceiling if you get I don't know if I actually like Arch Manning all that much, but if you get, we'll say Arch Manning is, you know, that's your Deshaun Watson in a lot of ways. That's yeah. your Trevor Lawrence. Um, I do you, like the idea of Lane Kiffin as evil Dabo. Like he's just following, <laughs> uh, he's following to Dabo, like to church events. And it's just like having sex yeah. in the parking lot or something. Yeah, that's, that's heretic uh, Dabo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> I like that concept. Uh, yeah. He's the, uh, he, he's the devil on Dabo's shoulder and the, the, I don't know who the angel is, but Lane is the devil on Dabo's shoulder? Um, that would be a also. Fun. Here's another question I want to ask. For I know it's on the Auburn podcast, but well, uh, who would Auburn hire if they couldn't get Lane or Urban? Would they hire <laughs> Hugh Freeze? <laughs> I mean, yeah, probably. Right? It would work. It would be. It would. It would be a nightmare down the road. It would be. <laughs> It would end poorly, but it would probably work. Would it anymore? Like, I, if I NIL think, was legal, would it matter? These, I think in these, I guess, yeah, I guess it, it's, it would work, and then it probably actually wouldn't really hurt you. I don't, who's going to punish you? There are no police. It doesn't matter. You could just, you could what, just. Like, well, do we think, like, is Hugh actually charismatic, or was he just more willing to cheat openly? You know, you know what I mean? Like, I don't fair. think yeah. Hugh got more money out of the boosters necessarily. It's more of just he just, like, directly told him what to do with it in a more organized way that other yeah. people were well then, and like yeah i don't know who then it was like i i don't know who the most charismatic guy was it, it with that because i think that it's sort of inextricable from cheating i don't know i don't know where the two split they're all college football coaches they're it's all hard kind of, yeah they're all kind of shit it's hard heads. to say so like I, I, I wonder if Auburn would look at like just ride the hype wave and hire like shane beamer for no reason or, or what about like mel tucker I, I think sort of the similar, sort of a similar. They're not the same. I think Mel Tucker's about. Well, I guess the. Do, Beamer, do you but. think Mel Tucker actually turned down LSU, or is that just something he was reporting to get a raise? Um, it's a good question. I think he probably. I think he was probably contacted. I don't think that he was really looked at all that significantly. Um, yeah. And so, but I, I do think he would be looked at here if Urban says no, if Lane says no. I also don't think that Urban or Lane would say no. So it's 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 moot, but. I wonder if Mel Tucker would be on the board at least. Well, now that he has that contract, because again, it's going forward, not backwards. So he couldn't. He there's not, they're not going to be able to buy him out there. He's kind of mm-hmm. locked in for. Mm-hmm. Even think, Auburn couldn't buy out a ten-year, nine and a half a year deal. I That's think not Aub- possible. I think that Auburn staring down a uh, state where they're the only team in it, the only Power Five team in it, could probably. <laughs> get some money going i i uh, but, but you it's not he's not that much better than other options that he's worth sure. I, like i don't think yeah i don't know maybe That's maybe the answer they go hire dana which dana are we talking about holgerson holgerson okay what's the other one demel i guess that doesn't make a whole lot of sense um no why would they hire dana demel <laughs> Carvey? They're hiring Dana Carvey. Yeah, they're, to come they're... In? <laughs> I've got I've got uh, Dana Dimmel on the brain. I, I I don't know what to tell you, but um, yeah, I I think I think Holgerson would maybe be an option. Um, I don't know I I, I don't know how well he would fit at Auburn. I mean, I guess 
<laughs> I guess no one has really fit all that well at Auburn, but I don't know. Yeah. That, I don't know that Dana is especially well suited for the for the SEC. I also don't know how keen he is on moving. It seems like he kind of likes Houston. Would that be the job if finally got Mark Stoops to leave Kentucky? Mm, that would be a weird. Fit. Or oh no, you know well, I don't know what we were thinking. James Franklin just takes the job. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, that, that that's okay. The, well, that's yeah, that. Okay. Yeah, that's it's, if it's not <laughs> Urban or Lane, it's James Franklin. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, that solves that answer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I guess we we've talked about the SEC West. What do you think of the SEC East here? Um, I think Georgia's certainly pretty pretty pleased about this. Georgia's already basically the one Power Five team in its state, and now it can also branch into Alabama. I think that it it has the same sort of knock on effect that LSU and, and Texas A and M get, where it, it just gets ten or fifteen percent more talented. Um, I think this is a similar situation to the one at LSU and Texas A and M, where it just you know when it gets a quarterback, when it gets the right circumstances, will win in spite of its coach. Yeah, that seems fair. So then Florida, um, Florida is the other one that's interesting here because I, I think that Florida actually benefits uh, if we're doing like a, a, a ranking of, of transformational, you know, things happening within the conference. I think Florida is probably second behind Auburn here because suddenly Florida can recruit if this happens, right? Like Florida gets a foot off of its neck and can start recruiting within its own state again, which it currently just cannot do. And I think Billy Napier is a pretty good recruiter. I think he's a pretty good coach. I think that this would be a huge, huge thing for Florida. I think it would be massive, but I don't, I mean, like Florida still just seems to have like some bad juju around them. I don't know, man. Like, yeah, I like Napier. I think he's the right coach, but I think like there is just something like there's some kind of stink on Florida right now that is just not getting fixed. Like, yeah, they can't get it out of the carpets right now. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but like, I, I mean, I know what it is. I, <laughs> it's, uh, his name is Scott Strickland. I think that that's the, the stink in the carpet is that you hired the, you know, Mississippi state athletic director and now you're Mississippi state, but in Florida, right? Like that's, yeah, you good job. I mean, yeah, but you I mean, Scott damn, Street. they have, they have one commit and it's from like a, a kid from like a, like the 300th best player in the country. Yeah. Uh, it's fucking April. But haven't you heard like, that Jack Miller is, is really good. He's uh you know, is the greatest decision that, that Billy Napier's ever ever made to go get Jack Miller. Yeah, that's everybody, so true. Everybody knows <laughs> Jack Miller is the best quarterback in America. Um yeah, I don't I don't it, there, there is a weird energy it, around Florida right now. I think the issue is that a lot of former college football bloggers are Florida fans and uh you can't have that. Right. You can't have those people on Oh no, side. absolutely not. Those guys are way too fucking epic to be allowed to have fun. Yeah. Uh not allowed. Absolutely no, that, not allowed. No, that won't work. Uh, uh, that's also, why... I'm just running the numbers here really quick. Uh-huh. Uh, Florida has signed five top 50 players in the last four classes combined. Oh, boy. <laughs> that is not good enough. Jesus Christ. Like, how many does Georgia have? I'm just going to count this up A real lot. Quick. A lot more uh... than that. Boy, Dan, Dan Mullen was scheming the hell out of those boys, huh? <laughs> Boy, howdy. Uh, he sure was. <laughs> that motherfucker won uh, the East two years ago. Woo. <laughs> I didn't even realize. Um, that's really bad. That's not good that's at all. That's really bad. <laughs> no, that's that's awful. Uh, <laughs> uh, hang on. I'm, ca- I'm still counting Georgia's. Oh I have one more class to go. Dan Mullen was uh, recruiting like Chip <laughs> Kelly. Like, that's awful. That's really bad. Uh, in the same time period, Georgia has 24. Uh no, there's, there's, like, your, there's your problem. <laughs> like Billy Napier has to like, I think he's good and I think they'll benefit, 
but like they're basically relegated to being old miss right now yeah like they are Ooh. so far behind the next tier of lsu a&m georgia and alabama again i won't exist but like they're yeah. so far behind that tier the gap between those four programs and then like Ole Miss and Florida are basically like the same recruiting team, except Ole Miss knows how to play football and Florida hasn't for five years, yeah, except that one season yeah. uh, hasn't for years. Yeah. Um, is, is Dan- also, even that year, one of the most overrated teams absolutely of all time. The 2020 Florida team. Yes. Yeah. That was not a, not an amazing bunch. Their defense was, was really uh, challenged. I would say it went eight and four. Like, yeah. I mean, like they were a cool team to watch. But like they, again, that's literally just an Ole Miss team right yeah, now. That offense. That's worse nice. than an Ole Miss team right now. That's a, that's a good Purdue team. Yeah. Like they almost beat Alabama, but they, I mean, they didn't, they didn't beat Alabama because Dan Mullen was the head coach. I, I am just real quick. I had a quick moment of like, where's Dan Mullen now? He's not anywhere. Um, which is, that's right. He's not doing anything. Yeah. Which, out. which is strange. Cause I, I'll tell you like, and that's not to make this the Dan Mullen hour. Um, that dude is going to win some games at the G5 level when he decides he wants to get back into coaching. That man is going to he is going to win some games in the AAC or the Sun Belt for a couple years before he jumps back up. Because uh, going going eight and four but winning the East with that bunch is I, I will say an impressive feat. Because uh, do you remember who the quarterback was for that team? Uh, no. It's Kyle Trask. And he threw for like eight thousand yards. <laughs> oh, Kyle, oh yeah, I, that was I, I misheard you. Yeah, yeah, Kyle Trask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, um, he was really good that year. He was really fun to watch. But yeah. my man can coach, um, my man can coach offense. He just can't do a whole. Also, lot Also, I'll, I'll be honest. The reason I said no is I straight up was not listening to you talk. I was reading headlines about Dan Mullen. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's at the <laughs> beach right now. Looks I just like. I just googled Dan Mullen news to see if anything has popped up about him. Here are three <laughs> of the first five headlines about Dan Mullen. Let fired football coach Dan Mullen be a lesson to Brian Kelly and Billy Napier. Uh, second one. Uh, second guess, one. Florida was an afterthought for uh, highly ranked running back Treshawn Webb, uh, who's one of the best running backs in America. Yeah. And, and uh, the fifth one down, the blurb is, former Florida coach Dan Mullen sure did not recruit a lot of fast fish wide receivers during his time at the Gators. Boy. Yeah. D- let let, let uh, Dan Mullen's decapitated head on this pike be a lesson to Billy Napier. <laughs> Uh, man i think it's people say that it's always great to um you know to lead by fear and not respect and uh-huh. i think the florida's done a great job of that Scott Strickland. <laughs> yeah yeah it's really yeah, uh, it's, it's going really well for them so far I, I do think florida like gets better because like the kids from south florida who are going to alabama in droves i think i, I had the numbers pulled up and it was how many kids went to uh it was 19 signees went to Alabama from the state of Florida in the last four years. Jesus. So obviously some of those guys will go to Georgia. Some of those guys will go to Florida. Some of them will go to FSU and Miami and yeah. Ohio state and Clemson. Like they'll spread around a bit, but yeah, Florida would be definitely a significant beneficiary, but like, even if they got, actually, I'm curious about this. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> here's a, I think here's the, a bizarre question. I, I want to ask if Florida landed all 19 of those guys, would that make up the gap in talent between them and Georgia? Oh man, I think it would depend on who the guys are. I don't know who the guys out of Florida are off the top of my head. If there's there a quarterback in there, uh, Florida would. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think there has been. No. The state of Florida doesn't really produce quarterbacks very well. Yeah. Um, strange. Probably should. Uh, Florida would just narrowly have more blue chips than Georgia if they got every kid out of the state of Florida who signed Alabama. Oh man. Um. 
No, I don't. That's think, not good. I, I don't obviously. think it would be. I, I don't think it would be more talented. I think that Georgia would still be more talented. And I also, yeah, I mean, I, again, because I don't think all of those guys would go to Florida. Yeah, which is I, I also, I don't, I, I don't think that I, I think Georgia's better at developing talent than Florida is, which is not going. It's not. I'm sure. not saying a whole lot here. Certainly, um, no, I don't. I who don't was the last? Uh, who was the last good quarterback from uh, from Florida? It's been a while. Unless there maybe a big Kellen Mond guy, he was only IMG. Um, he's yeah, he was, I, I don't know. He's not. He's from Texas originally, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's been a while. Unless there's just a big man. One they're really I'm completely. Forgetting. There is not anybody. Uh, I'm going through it right now. Yeah, that's very Let's strange. I, I wonder. Honestly, I wonder why that is. Like, I'm not. I'm not saying that as a. Uh, <laughs> you know, as as rhetorical. Like, I'm curious. I don't know why that would. Why that is how that is. Is it like fucking Mac Jones or something? I'm going back like four classes now. I'm still not finding anyone who's like noteworthy, like among the highly ranked quarterbacks. Like who was touted coming out too? Yeah. Uh, That's strange. I don't even really remember there being crazy. all that many highly fuck? touted quarterbacks out of Florida. Like it doesn't feel like there's usually a five star, oh, the five star Florida, you know, Miami quarterback, right? No, that's not anything. They have a but you of, think there'd be like I mean I don't know one like just by yeah. sheer law of average of how many great football <laughs> players there you think like one would come Dude, out that's the thing is that when you watch like you know receiver tape out of five star Florida receivers coming out of high school you watch running back tape you watch these guys they're standing next to like a five foot nine quarterback it's only five foot nine quarterbacks every quarterback down there is me and it's it's not yeah it's not it's not going to produce a ton of five star talent traditionally because they're all just tiny guys who are designed to get the ball to the five stars around them. Dude, by the way, I got I got the answer for you. The last time the state of Florida produced a top ten quarterback that did not go to IMG was the class of twenty sixteen with Felipe Franks. Jesus Christ, that's okay. Well, yeah, there's your other issue, Florida. Uh, you need your state to produce quarterbacks again. Hey, I wonder why Florida State, Miami, and Florida haven't been very good since 2016. Yeah, that's the answer. Jesus Christ. Before that, <laughs> it was the year before, 2015, was DeAndre Francois. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was top 10 quarterback. Obviously, he turned out really good. Yep. Um, <laughs> before that, uh, let's see. It's still going. Yeah. Uh, I am still going. Oh, we have a guy we all remember. Um uh, Asianti Wooler, who signed with UCLA, and sure wrote his name in the history books. My man, uh, my man had to play for Jim Mora. I've got to go get developed <laughs> by Jim Mora. <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay, and before that, the last time there was a five-star quarterback from the state of Florida, Jeff Driscoll, 2011. Oh, let's go. Let's go. And in the same class, also produced. Uh, uh, Teddy Bridgewater and Jacoby Brissett were also top ten guys in that class. Oh, Actually, that's a pretty good quarterback class. Yeah, we yeah you gotta you love that. Um, oh man, sorry, really quick, just one more naming guys thing here. Yeah, you remember you remember when Bubba Starling was on the cover of Sports Illustrated? No, who's Bubba Starling? <laughs> Bubba Starling was a quarterback who signed with Nebraska. He's from Kansas, but he was known because he was also a really good baseball. Player. He was like six five, two hundred pounds. It was touted as like an all-world baseball and football player is supposed to be like basically what Kyler Murray actually is. Yeah. Um, let's see. What did he do in the MLB? Um, okay. He was drafted in – when was he fucking drafted? Uh, 2011, he ultimately played 
Hmm. Uh, like seven games ever. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> he announces he announces his retirement on Facebook, uh, which is pretty funny. Always how you want he to just, do it. This no, I'm sorry. He ended up playing total. Uh, how does this? This is a terrible site. Uh, it'll be very bad. Very bad stuff here. Yeah. Uh, no, just games played. You guys don't have a games played statistic. No. Uh, okay. He played 91 career games, uh, batting average. Uh, this is really, they don't have just batting average. Let's he's this is insane. They're just, they could direct me to the MLB Spanish site. Very annoying as a guy who lives in Argentina to try to check the MLB stats. Yeah, you just want to read Uh, the English MLB stats as a guy in Argentina. Is that so much to ask? Career batting average of 204 in the majors. Okay. Uh, Well, not ideal. Uh, I'm looking at the Bubba Starling magazine cover. This is, I I honestly forgot this. It just came into my head as soon as. uh, as soon as I read his name, but he was on ESPN the magazine or something, was like a big fucking deal. Yeah. Um, so unless there was one in between who I am forgetting, I don't remember where did where did Cam Newton go to school? Do you know where where did Cam Newton come out of? Uh, where did he? Uh, I'll look it up. I think he's from Florida, right? Potentially, I I don't know. Um, but no, he's from Atlanta. That's right. He played at Westlake. Okay, but so the, the one of the first big Westlake guys, actually. So then I think that the probably the two highest touted Florida quarterbacks since like the start of the modern era in recruiting are probably what Jeff Driscoll and Tim Tebow, right? The non IMG quarterbacks. It's probably Jeff Driscoll and Tim Tebow because Tebow is also a five star. I mean, Lamar Jackson's from Florida, but like he was not a five star. No, that's right. We're talking just highly rated guys. Like, yeah, yeah. it's again, there have been in the last. Uh, 12 recruiting classes there have been five total top 10 quarterbacks in the state of florida very bleak very bleak stuff don't know what's going on out there i think that florida should look into that that would be my number one recommendation to them is that yeah, you guys gotta uh, get some quarterbacks man yeah i think billy napier needs to start recruiting four stars that would be a good thing and also they need to uh have a quarterback on the team i think would be would yeah be advisable oh uh, you know who's from you know who's from florida aaron murray Okay, there we go. See, that's there's your issue, Florida. You didn't get Aaron Murray. You need, needed to bring in Aaron Murray. Uh, what are you guys doing? Geno Smith, also from uh, also from Florida. <laughs> We're doing the Adam Sandler song about naming all professional <laughs> athletes who are Jewish, except for Florida quarterback. I don't forget how we got to this part of the podcast. But yeah. Anyway, I think Georgia. I think I think Georgia would be real good at football. Uh-huh. Still, yeah. <laughs> I think LSU. I think LSU and A and M would become immediate title contenders overnight. Basically, yeah. Auburn would be there in a couple of years once they hired their coach. Um, and will become a powerhouse program on the level of those other three. Uh, Ole Miss could stand a benefit. Florida, if they can ever get this stink out of the carpets, could end up being good. Yeah. And they learn how to recruit a quarterback. Uh, those are the big two for them. And also, by the way, in the same time frame, Georgia has just produced a million quarterbacks. Yeah, of course. Sure. The, you know, the, the, the famous quarterback state with quarterback teams in it, you know, if you're if you're right. a, if you're a kid growing up in Georgia, you're seeing pass heavy offenses at Georgia, and Georgia <laughs> Tech, and you're like, I've got to play quarterback. You're dreaming of becoming Stetson Bennett. Yeah, I need to be this guy. That's that could be me. Aaron Murray. That could be me. It was suiting yeah. up for the dogs. Yeah, that's, that's how every every kid in West Pennsylvania felt growing up watching Tino Sinceri play football. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I feel. That's just that's yeah. What do you mean? Just West Pennsylvania? That's how every kid feels. I mean, how could you not want to be him? That's right. 
Um, so I guess outside the SEC, Patrick, we have some other teams to talk about. We've yeah. really not gotten to on time. Yeah, now that uh, we're now that we're fifty five minutes into the episode, <laughs> are we really? Yeah. Uh, we can probably okay. Let's talk about Ohio State and Clemson real quick. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously these teams stand a benefit from recruiting sense, and especially Georgia and Florida and Texas. Both these teams would do really well there. California a little bit as well. Um, it would just get a lot easier to win games, right? Like, yes. This is the part of it where we talk about like what happens in the playoff. Um, without Nick Saban around, like it seems to me like it, it basically the top of the sport is Kirby Smart and Ryan Day. Mm, I'm not, I'm not sure that I'm ready to consider Ryan Day in that way yet. Well, I mean, he beat the shit out of Dabo. Yeah, I mean, which means lot, like Dabo seems to have lost his program's heights. Like he's yeah. clearly Clemson's clearly behind those two schools. Yeah, I, I would say that. Yeah, he 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 beat the shit out of Dabo asterisk a little bit because NC State also beat Dabo uh, in the same calendar year, and so I'm not I'm not yet sold on Ryan Day as like a national title quality. Yeah, coach. yeah, sure, that, that's valid. But I mean, of all the of the second tier coaches, They're, only I don't, like, yeah, I don't love not any Nick of Saban. Them. Yeah, we've, only we've, him and uh, only him and Kirby have won a playoff game. Yeah, well. Did no? I guess Jimbo didn't, huh? Yeah. Jimbo didn't win a playoff game. Brian Kelly didn't win a playoff game. Lincoln Riley hasn't won a playoff game between like fifteen tries between them. It feels like, uh, damn, they're really just giving these things away. Yeah, well, who's won a playoff game? It's it's Urban Meyer, uh, Helfrich, which is very funny that Mark Helfrich. That's and, very uh, funny. And Ed yeah. Orgeron, Nick Saban, have, obviously, who no longer yeah, exists. Yeah, Mark Helfrich uh, and Ed Orgeron have more playoff wins than Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly, Jimbo Fisher combined. That's really good. <laughs> That's honestly fucking awesome. That rocks. <laughs> well, you can go further than that. They have Mark Helfrich and or, or, sorry, Mark Helfrich and Orgeron have as many playoff wins combined as Urban Meyer, Ryan Day, uh, Ryan Day doesn't Jimbo have Fisher. Any, Ryan Day doesn't have as many as them. They have three. Orgeron and uh, and Helfrich. Have no, that's what I'm, saying. Come, I'm saying combine. Urban yeah. Meyer has two. Oh yeah, and Ryan Jim- Day has one. Yeah. So if you combine Urban Meyer, Ryan Day, Jimbo <laughs> Fisher, Brian Kelly, Lincoln Riley, they have as many playoff wins as Ed Orgeron and Mark Helfrich. Oh, that's awesome. That's, that's a funny stat I'm tweeting out right that's now. So cool. <laughs> what a cool sport. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. <laughs> intellectual equals <laughs> yep um yeah to, to, not to not to uh, i guess i won't be too harsh on ryan day he has been there and has gone to the national championship and um that it looked like his program didn't even have the same sport you know taught to it as alabama is beside the point because alabama is not here anymore um so i, I think Alabama, i think ohio state certainly would be among the group that is contending for a national title every year. I I wonder if it would, and we've talked about this a little bit before, I wonder if it would just come down to, like, which team has the most elite of one unit, right? Like, a, you know, a a C.J. Stroud and a Jackson Smith and Jigba for Ohio State, or the kind of defense that Georgia just had, or LSU having a Joe Burrow, um, you know, Clemson having a Trevor Lawrence, right? I, I, I wonder if the national champion would no longer be the most complete team and would more just be like, which team has something freakish and unheard of? 
Yeah, but will that happen? Like, do we do you think anyone's going to develop something? Like, will any of the top powers in the sport develop something freakish, unheard of? They don't really ever do that, right? They, I think they are currently doing that, right? I think I just named off a couple that have done that. Uh, I mean, Joe Burrow threw for like six thousand yards three seasons ago. LS, you're yeah, George, but but I, I mean, like they're George not like, just had one of the best defenses ever. I, I I would consider that fairly freakish. Yeah, I guess I don't know, but it's just like being good at the same thing. Uh, it's like just doing a better version of what already exists. It's not like unheard of. It's just better executed. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what would be unheard of at this point. That we're gonna yeah, I don't know. For, like uh, playing the sport for a while. <laughs> the backwards pass. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> construct a staff that doesn't have my family members on it. No one has ever done this before somehow. <laughs> Impossible. Cannot a, a, unbeatable boss. Do not attempt. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, where was I going with this shit? Uh, something about something. Uh, oh yeah, the playoff. Right. I yeah. think like. I think in some order it, it becomes like that. I don't know. Like Kirby Smart. Like here, I guess the question we're asking here is: Do you think what Kirby Smart did last year is when he'll repeat frequently? No, probably not. Right? Me neither. I mean, yeah, I don't think he'll like. I don't think what Jimbo did in 2013 is something he's been able to repeat frequently. I don't think what Kirby yeah. did last year is something he can repeat frequently. I don't think Ed Orgeron could ever again repeat what he did. No, I don't um, know if anybody could do that again. That was just fucking yeah. dog <laughs> I, I don't know if like maybe Brian Kelly gets one because he just like is the same as these guys and fi- finally finds a way to break through by a- accumulation of talent. Like maybe Lincoln Riley gets one, maybe Day gets one, but like none of these guys currently like at the top level have to choose Harbaugh. You can include him in there. You can include if you feel really generous, James Franklin. Yeah. Uh, none of these guys have the juice to break through and like become a multi-time title winner again, right? Like, I think yeah. Dabo's luck was dried up. He was just a generational quarterback guy. Um, he's That's not coming back in a serious way. Yeah. So I don't do, think. does this then usher in... I meant I talked earlier about the cabal of four SEC teams, right? And I think that that's a possibility. I think that this could also, you know, open up the possibility of... A, a, a glorious new day of like 90s 80s style there are power programs there are good teams but you can also if you have a a borderline great team that's just like top 10 top 15 in talent but a really good coaching staff you can you can snag one right like a um like an organ you know like a chip kelly organ like a i don't know i'm looking at the list here like a penn state in 2016 had they not lost two games um that kind of team right that sort of structure like a baylor and oklahoma state last season does the fact that none of these top teams have a coach who we think has that killer instinct just create a situation where all of those dog, teams are, yeah, are, are are those teams trading titles or is there now an opening for a a group that can sort of break the mold doing something like I, I think Oklahoma in 2000 kind of fits this right where where I don't know that that team was super like amazingly talented they just had a really unique offense and, and ended up winning the championship because fucking somebody had to um 2002 Ohio State kind of the same thing where I don't think that their talent was especially impressive they were just schematically really good on defense and and so I I I wonder if this creates, you know, getting rid of Nick Saban, we are erasing his program from the from the earth. I wonder if it creates a system where 15, 20 teams realistically can't actually compete for the title because the the talent is still, you know, it's 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 concentrated at the top, but the teams at the top are fucking stupid and their coaches aren't all that good. 
Yeah, but like I, I think it's also like it's not going to structurally change talent accumulation, right? Like, yeah. like Al- if anything, like Alabama going away doesn't mean that like all of a sudden Baylor's going to start getting some of those guys. It just means like the same the same talent that was going to Alabama would just now be split amongst like ten other schools, roughly. Yeah, I, and I, it, it'll it'll be even further concentrated, almost I would say, which is like yeah. crazy, maybe. But that's that's I don't know. Like, I, I I think that the answer is is. The, what would be next? I think we would have a, a brief period of parity until one of these like really good coaches at a smaller job, like a Dave Aranda, yeah. finally steps up to a bigger job. Like, I don't think or, it means Baylor could win a national championship, but it means if Dave Aranda went to the right program, he could win five. I, I think it could be that, or I think it could be a new a new program, maybe not Baylor specifically because of the circumstances there, but I think it could mean a new power program arising. Um Mario. But when's the last time that happened? I, I mean, I mean, I guess Clemson is is if we're Clemson talking, is it? Yeah, yeah, if we're talking that up to generational quarterbacks. But it wasn't that long ago that Texas and USC were national title contenders and like the teams that won the national title. Well, Out. but but is 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 USC or Texas like coming back? Is that like a new team emerging, or is that just a like cyclical college football? Yeah, uh, so, yeah. Who is? I mean, Oregon nearly did it right with 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 Kelly. They were. I mean, they were in the title twice. That's pretty good. Um, and once with Elfrich, yeah. What Florida with Spurrier would be would be one that applies. Yeah, Bowden at Florida State. Yeah, Bowden at Florida um, State. I mean, that was a long time ago. <laughs> that was that was quite some time ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, I, I guess that, uh, fielding Yost at Michigan was pretty big. Am I am I crazy uh, to say that if Texas A and M goes to compete for a title, that's like the first time they've done that in a really long time? I don't know if that they've ever done that. Uh, no, didn't they win one with Jackie Sherrill back in the day? Yeah, that's a while ago. That's quite some time ago. I mean, ago. yeah. I don't know if he even won me, a title. Has, has Texas A&M ever won a national title? <laughs> uh, they <laughs> claim three. What is going on and, out oh, man. there? They I, claim three national championships in 1919, 1927, and 1939. Yeah, so I guess so, so it this, would be the first time. That would be new. I would count that as, as a new power program. I don't know that I'm going to let Texas A&M lie to me and say that it's a really good program historically. Yeah. I don't know that it is. I... <laughs> I guess A and M would be one for sure. Um, I I think that a Miami could. It's cyclical, right? It's Miami coming back. Uh, I, I, think I don't that, I don't know if Miami's ever coming back, man. I don't know, man. The talent if if Alabama's not in the you know the city is suddenly really good. Crystal Ball's a really good recruiter. I I don't know if I, yeah. I don't know if we've. I mean that he's a really really good recruiter and he's got a really good staff. It's true. It's true. So I guess I don't. I don't. I don't see it with him. But maybe I don't think he has that well, dog at all. I also think somebody, he, I guess somebody's going to have to win the ACC. And if you win the ACC and you're undefeated or you have one loss, you're going to be in the playoff. And then you only need to win two games. And I'm looking at the other coaches at the top of the list, and I don't think it's that hard to get lucky. Um, I think Florida State comes back fast, to Miami. Like I know Miami's now just like willing to spend money to be good for a little bit. But like, how if they just go back to be the same with Miami in two years, will that happen again? Yeah. Like all these Bitcoin billionaires just spend all this fucking money to like get their guy. If he just sucks for two or three years straight, are they just like, well, we're done? That's like their last gasp effort, right? Like they're just like, well, okay, we're an average team now. We're Virginia Tech. Well, who who's doing this at Florida State then? Because it's not, it's certainly not Mike Norvell, right? That's not the assumption. That no, Mike but Norvell... but but Florida State is just like like the the structure of Florida State's a lot different than Miami, right? Like they just have a larger alumni base. Yeah. They have more like you know influential don't like. I mean, Miami has a few really rich guys, but Florida State has a huge network of them. Yeah, I mean, it's, right? it's, like, it's, it's, I've answered my own question here. It's Dion, right? Dion does this. 
that yeah, that's, Dion does. It, that's Dion. also someone who can win a national championship, by the way. Dion yes. goes to Florida State, he can win a title. What Absolutely. if we live in a, in a scenario where Dion becomes the new Nick Saban? Dude. <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> I, I think we talk about LSU you know, catching lightning in a bottle, nobody ever being able to do that again. I think Dion could absolutely build a team like that just once, right? I don't know that he could sustain just once, it. Just yeah, once, yeah. He think is Ed Orgeron. I think Same that guy. Dion Sanders could build the most talented football team of all time just one time, right? I, and then I, would have the most. Also, we would find out afterwards, like guys were getting beaten in the locker room with like chains by their yeah. teammates or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> no one has ever fucked more white women in one season than Deion Sanders. Would. <laughs> Deion Sanders is like is like cuckolding like the university president on video <laughs> and is fired immediately following the national championship game. Uh, He's fired he on the podium. Like, uh, <laughs> what's uh, what's Joe Biden's wife name? Jill. He yeah. is seen on the national championship field making out with Dr. Jill Biden, um, <laughs> and he's chanting "Let's go, Brandon." While he does it somehow, yeah, um, he's doing like a kind of a grim puppet thing. It's it's actually very strange. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's uh, that's awesome. That's an awesome future to think about. I like that yeah. a lot. That's the so I guess of the other schools. <laughs> <laughs> the other schools were talking about like the traditional powers that maybe aren't doing what they're supposed to, or just like teams that are Novu Rich but seem like they're in a great spot. Like Notre Dame, Michigan, Oklahoma, USC, Oregon, Penn State, Texas, Baylor. Yeah. Does anything change for these programs? Like like what happens for them? I think that a lot of their circumstances are still dependent on other teams within their league, right? Like Michigan. Yeah. We we've talked before about Michigan and its circumstances. I think that Oklahoma moving into the SEC and Texas moving into the SEC are just a little bit less fucked than they are right now. I don't think it's significant because, come on, why'd you guys do that? What a dumb thing to do. Um, you know, the the other ones, Notre Dame is still Notre Dame. I don't know that Notre Dame's circumstances will ever change again. I think that it's just this now. Um, I don't, I like, honestly. Well, what I, if they join the ACC? I mean, I guess. I, 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 I still don't know. I don't know if you can... I don't know if you can overcome being Notre Dame. I, I think that, that there are inextricable issues with that program, <laughs> right? Like the fact that you are big BYU is going to be a problem for you. That's that's a just that's the a least. As much as we love our our dear friend Rob uh, for coming on our podcast, and probably will hopefully doesn't listen to this because he'll probably come on again in the future. But yeah. they're just never winning again, right? I mean, they're going to win, but not. Is the that crazy to say? Right? Like, I don't think that they're. Just, I just don't think you can get that talent there. That seems really hard to do given the circumstances at Notre Dame. I, I'm dancing around the fact here they just don't recruit like that, right? They're Notre Dame. They don't recruit like that. They will not recruit like that. You you do yeah. not have the recruiting finances that Ohio State does, and you're similarly in the middle of fucking nowhere, except you also don't even have Columbus. You, you like you are Catholic Indian. Yeah, you have Mayor There's Pete nothing. instead. <laughs> There's nothing. This is not... You, you. The reason that you are here is by sheer willpower. There is no actual resources that encourage this to happen. It is just because you think it should. It is... It, and they're also they're also making you like... I, like they're, they're making you live with regular students on the campus too, right? That's that's not good. <laughs> Come on. What are we doing here? Come on. What? No, that's... I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing. I'm talking Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? Mad at me for no. besmirching no. the honor of... <laughs> Yeah, what the fuck? No, the honor system needs to stay. No. Um yeah. yeah, come on. Notre Dame, that's my that's my my advice to Notre Dame. Grow up. Come on. Let's all let's all be adults about this. Let's understand our circumstances. Yeah. Same thing with Michigan, same thing with with Penn State in in this list as well. Texas, Oklahoma. I think the circumstances would need to be 
very specific within the conference, like an Ohio State being down, like in the SEC, every one of those teams we mentioned being down, um, for these teams to to jump up just into the playoff, let alone winning a national championship. I do think there's a core in here that has a more interesting case, USC, Oregon, Florida State, um, Miami, and Baylor all, all look to me more realistic as programs where you can actually build something. I don't think there's a cap on these schools in the way that there is at the ones that we that we just talked about. Especially like I, I USC is the one that sticks out most to me here. I think that USC is uh, not not even not not necessarily USC the program, but USC under Lane or under uh god under Lincoln Riley is under Lane soon enough. Yeah, yeah. under Lane uh, it, it, you know soon come, but under Lincoln Riley is indistinguishable from Ohio State and if we think Ohio State can win one I think USC absolutely I mean is maybe like USC has some other problems like you like say what you want about Ohio State like and it it obviously is not maximized potential but like the structure around Ohio State every stakeholder fucking cares about football a lot we have not proven that USC has done the same last 20 years yeah. For 15 years. I, I think that the strengths would be roughly the same, though, which is the fact that Ohio State has all these these resources and can't build the defense or really anything other than a really good passing attack under Ryan Day to this point. Um, I, that could change, certainly. It's been, what, three years? Um, it, it could change. but I, Ohio, Ohio State has all of like the willpower, all of the resources, all of the care, and not the brains to do it. Yeah, and, and so and I think that the product, I think the end product, I'm not disagreeing. I think the end product product could be about the same though with USC. I think USC could produce a really really good passing attack, a really good offense, and ultimately it would just come down to who is the better offensive game call, you know, play caller. If they come out, you know, if they play in a championship or a playoff game, and I don't know that I lean strongly in in either direction. I'm not there with you. I, I don't think USC is the same. Like things like fan buy-in, things like just like football culture. I think that stuff matters. Like maybe it sounds broy to talk about like you know, having a football culture in your state. But I do think that shit matters at this point. And California, like, has a long way to come back from. Yeah, um, I, I wonder, I, I don't know how much, yeah, I don't I don't know if we know how much talent he can bring in there yet, just realistically, given the, the resources that he has. But it's certainly been, I would say, a good amount so far. <laughs> I, I, I don't know that we've seen the ceiling yet uh, for, for Lincoln Riley. I don't know that we know what the limit is there, so I don't know if we can answer for sure. Oregon, uh, there's buy-in. There's certainly buy-in. They have invested in there's the football buy-in, program. There's buy-in. There's money. Yeah, we'll see about the rest. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't think they're taking a step forward, right? Like, it's hard to keep hiring, making relatively good hires, and get it right again and again and again. Yeah. When you're like that second to third, you're like a third-tier program, honestly, which is still a top twenty-five program, but like clearly the third tier. Yeah, that's. It's fucking hard to keep getting especially, right. Like, especially when they keep going to power five, other power five jobs. That's not good. Like that's not that's not good. Yeah. That's not what you want and, for and them like, to, to keep leaving. Cincinnati after had this where like they got it right three guys in a row and then they fucked up big with Tommy Tupperville, then got it right again with Luke Fickle. Yeah. Like it's and just, that's a fourth or fifth tier job, whatever. But like yeah. it's it's fucking hard, it's man. Hard it's not an deal. easy thing to do to keep nailing those hires. Like it's how many places have done that? Ohio State's had Three yeah, and and that's and Ohio State's maybe? on a different level yeah. than those schools, right? Like that's it's, right, it's, right. It's not like, even a fair. Yeah, I I mean, really, I don't know that there is another school who has done that as consistently as I guess as Oregon has. Michigan State's probably gotten three hires in a row, right? Uh, is that right? Who is the, uh, the third? Because D'Antonio. Uh, oh no, no wait. Who is in between? Was was it, John, no, it's was D'Antonio. It, then Mel Tucker. Wasn't who John was L. Smith them? there before? Uh, I guess it was John L. Smith. I was. 
or was he just a yeah, interim? Two, no, he no, no, no. He, he, he was, was a full coach. Uh, That's cool. There were we love that two guys in between <laughs> uh, Saban and uh, D'Antonio. Um, although I guess what did, what did John L. Smith do there? No, he was dog shit. He was under five hundred. <laughs> career. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is it's hard about to do. that one. Yeah, I, I mean, who has done that? Has anyone gotten uh, like three hires in a row correct? At the yeah, I don't know. I mean, at like the level below Oklahoma or Ohio State, I don't know if anybody's Baylor. Done. Baylor has, has went. Say Bryles was a good hire. Say what you want about the outcome, yeah. like football, good hire. Yeah, they went Bryles rule Aranda. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, besides that, that's the list, maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know if there's another one. Because, what, Notre Dame was Charlie Weiss. That's not good. Notre Dame's a level on Oregon. Yeah. Um, maybe... Um, hmm. Penn State? Paterno and... Paterno was the program and Franklin. I, oh, they had Bill O'Brien. O'Brien. Bill O'Brien. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, if you I, count hiring yeah, Paterno, if, if you count Paterno, ago, I guess. Yeah. That's a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's at that point, you're being very generous to the, uh, the, the you're know, stretching the definition of what this, this question is. Um, and also Bill O'Brien wasn't actually asked to win games. Yeah. Oh, I think he was good enough at like guiding the program, but Wisconsin, I think. I, I would say Wisconsin has done this. I don't know that we could describe the coaches as good, but they have all won. Alvarez, Bielema, Christ. And uh, Anderson, too. Anderson did go to the Big Ten Championship. Oh, yeah. I forgot about him. Uh, Shit. So that's four in a row. Yeah, I, guess, I guess that counts. Uh, so it's Wisconsin and Baylor. So Okay, so all you have to do is be the most most consistent uh, non-power P5 team in football, and you're yeah. fine. Yeah, easy, easy. <laughs> Just be one of the three teams to do this, uh, and then you're you'll be fine. Um, Florida State and Miami, I think, are in basically the same boat. Where it's just, yep. if they can really, really maximize the now open Florida recruiting lane, then they could they could end up having a super talented team and winning because of that. But I don't know that I feel confident in either's ability to do that at this point. Yep. Um, uh, Penn then, State is the same as Notre Dame, Michigan. Yeah, pretty much yeah. Just same circumstance. Texas, same as Oklahoma, with but worse because they don't have a good football coach. Uh, I guess Oklahoma doesn't either, but they also don't have any boosters who know what they're doing or uh, anybody who can do anything at the football program. Um, and then Baylor is the interesting one because of how much we love Dave Aranda. I think if there's going to be a power, like a new power, it's emerging, not just Aranda. I really quick, I want to jump in here. It's also like the fact of how much they pull for the same. They pull the same yes, direction. Yes, yes. Aranda has built a very good foundation. The boosters there do a very, very good job with staying out of the way, with giving money where it is needed. I don't know who. And maybe does. the best AD in college sports too. Yes, and then additionally, the strength staff, which we've talked about before, very, very good at, at Baylor. The foundation there is extremely good. And so I think that if we're going to see a new power emerge, uh, if we're not defining Texas A&M previously at a power, it would be one of the two teams out of Texas. It would be A&M or it would be Baylor. Yeah, and that requires Brent Venables kind of fucking up, right, Oklahoma. Like, Brent Venables just takes a step back and becomes, like, middle period Bob Stoops, or like late period Bob Stoops. They were going, like, 9-3 and three instead of 11-1. and one then that's the pathway, right? Well, well, and Baylor has the circumstance, too, in the new Big 12 of, like, who else is going to be there? It's them and 
Cincinnati yeah. and BYU. BYU, <laughs> Houston. Yeah, like te- uh, Texas Tech is recruiting really well right now, but that's we haven't even seen the new coach actually yeah, that, coach a that game won't there. Last. Let's, uh, let's, that, let's yeah, get that, real. That won't do. Oklahoma State still maybe, has Mike Gundy as a head coach. As much as we hate his guts, maybe Sonny Dykes does something, but I don't think so. No, like I, I think that I think Baylor. I don't know. Maybe we're maybe we're too high on Aranda, but like I think Baylor absolutely could do something in this circumstance. I think Baylor are we can... are we just getting maybe this is a moment for self reflection here, Patrick? Are we getting way too high on Dave Aranda knowing the rules of uh, like a conference tiebreaker in the fourth quarter of a <laughs> championship game? I don't know, man. They were really good this year. They were really good. he's a really good coach. I like everything about him. He was a great DC. Everything about like his work ethic, he read everything about the way he broke his football yeah. just speaks volumes to how successful he's going to be, in my opinion. Yeah. But I do wonder if we're if we're just uh, overranking it. I don't know. Maybe I I I I'm I'm gonna believe in Dave Aranda until he gives me a reason not to, and he has not done that yet. I agree. I'm just I'm just I'm just trying to make sure we don't get hurt. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I've I've been wrong before. I think I'll be okay. But I I uh, I don't think I ever have. But yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I I think that. I think Baylor or Texas A&M is probably the team that could, the teams that could really jump into powerhouse status here. I don't think the other ones really have a, a clear shot at that without something changing within their conference, like for Michigan or Penn State, Ohio State dying, right? Like Ohio State day isn't the answer. Ohio State goes out, makes a bad hire. Uh, that kind of thing could clear a path for them. Notre Dame um, not being a Catholic school anymore. Uh, Oklahoma and Texas are fucked. USC or Oregon having either in USC's case more buy-in and resources than we expect or in Oregon's case uh, a coach staying put and also having to be like generational. Florida State, Miami, it's maximizing talent and breaking through one year. I, so yeah, I, th- I think the path for, for Baylor is clearer than for any of these other teams. Yeah, I think I think it's all valid. Um, any other kind of thoughts on Saban before we get into the little strength and conditioning part here at the end? Um, no, I think I'm I think I'm good to go. We had we had something here about about the legacy for these for some. Yeah, I think we I think we've hit pretty heavily on how this would impact like Kirby Day, Riley, Jimbo, Brian Kelly, even somebody like Jim Harbaugh. Um, the impact would just be that they might win more championships, like one or two more. But I don't think that any of them become dominant. You know. Nixon and we also and probably Nick can't. Figures. We probably don't get to post jokes about how they're all over in the playoff, right? Like we yeah. we can. Uh... Which is a bummer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, there's uh... there's there's some more like uh, like those guys just start trading wins, right? Like, I don't know who ends up winning the national championship. There, there probably is a lot more parity. It'd probably be fun, honestly. Yeah, I I think that um, that and that's the thing I was saying earlier. I do think that these teams still sort of rule, rule the day, and I do think that it is generally one of the teams out of the, you know, LSU, A and M. Auburn in this in this circumstance, Georgia, Ohio State, Cabal is usually winning a national championship. But I do think that because we're not especially confident in these coaches as coaches, not not as recruiters, but as actual football coaches, there would be more room for a really, really good, not top five talent team to win championships every now and then, which would be good. I, I don't think you can do that right now. And so I, I think that that would be that would be the the parody we would get is that it, these, but it's just top ten instead, right? Instead of just being top five. Yeah, I, I think that and and you know maybe there's a circle <laughs> with a good quarterback. Where yeah, yeah, where where you can be outside of that with a really good quarterback. But um, I think that would be a step in the right direction, given it's currently like you have to be in the top two of talent, and if your head coach is Nick Saban, you have a ninety percent boost. Yeah, that's pretty much it. 
We, we just got to get rid of him, dude. I'm sorry. I love college football. I'll watch it no matter what. I love it no matter what. But come on. Like, he just has to go. It's, yeah. it's getting so, like, when is enough enough? Yeah. We got to get him out of here. Folks, we got to get him out of here. No more. He's he's done. He's done. We're getting him out of here. Ryan, what do you have on uh, on strength and conditioning here? Yeah. So, I had some questions. I, when I went on my uh, rant about Georgia and Alabama's strength training a few weeks ago and kind of talked about how, I was really impressed by both their guys, uh, specifically measuring velocity and, and not just like velocities and like how fast you run a football field, but velocity in the weight room um, was something I, I noted on. I had people ask me like why that matters, kind of what the importance is. Um, and I kind of wanted to explain that a little bit more because it is something that's is somewhat intuitive, but also involves a lot more uh, detail you might expect, which is kind of how <laughs> I like to talk about these things that you can't tell. I like to give you way too much detail so I understand the nitty gritty behind it. Um, so I guess what we're talking about is ultimately rate of force production, right? Like when I talk about velocity in the weight room, um, it's a measure of kinetic energy. So like, you know, kinetic energy, for those of you guys who don't know, simple, uh, physics formula, it's mass times velocity. Um, if you and I are the same weight and you can jump higher than me, uh, you're producing more kinetic energy than I am. Right. Yeah. Like if we're both lifting 225 pounds on a squat and I can move it at 1.8 meters per second, move it at 1.2 meters per second. I have more kinetic energy than you do produce, right? It's it's just simple math. Um, whenever he's testing, uh, the, the Alabama strength coach, uh, his name escapes me, the one who left, uh, which is probably not good for me. I didn't write it down again. Is it, um, it, oh, but the, whenever he was testing, is it the, the guy who left? The 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 um, former Indiana guy, Ray. Uh, yeah, I'm just pulling it up really quick. Uh, not Scott. Why this? How is Google fucking sucks, no, man. Scott Cochran uh, is in Georgia now, but it was Ray. It was yeah, Dr. Scott Cochran. If you Google Alabama strength coach, the first result is still Scott Cochran. Disgusting. Uh, Disgusting. Absolutely ridiculous. People make me sick. Is it Matt Ray? Is that his name? Yeah, Matt Ray. He was uh, Matt Ray was the guy in Indiana who came to yeah. uh, came to Alabama. Anyway, besides the point, uh, Matt Ray was frequently tweeted out and still does, I believe, uh, like numbers on. Uh, velocity on uh, piece of some, I think you just tendo units for like uh, speed, basically uh, for basically how fast the players moving certain weights. So he'll have every player do uh, split squats, the safety squat bar, uh, safety squat bar, by the way, it's just an aside here, great football players. Uh, it's very good at reducing load on the shoulders. It forces an upright uh, torso, which is really good for football players. doesn't have the round in the back that you have in heavy squats, really useful in a lot of ways. A lot of people should use it. Um, if you don't know how to use it correctly, it's really useful. Besides the point, uh, he, he, he does velocity that lift a lot. And I guess like the importance of it is basically the, the way you can, like the speed at which you can produce force, uh, literally rate of force production, rate of force development, whatever you want to call that. Um, it, it's very useful football for obvious reasons, which is just that simply you need to be able to get up to your top speed and to produce maximal effort, maximal energy very quickly. Um, the, the two biggest points from a, like biomechanical standpoint are the amortization phase and the stretch shortening cycle. Uh, amortization is more simply called shock absorption, basically. Like if you are, when your foot hits the ground, how long does it take you before you can then get it up again in the air? Uh, how long does it take you to absorb that shock before you can move forward again? And the stretch shortening cycle is also often called reversal strength, which is basically following that shock absorption or amortization phase. Uh, how fast can you rebound to go forward? So if Patrick, you sit down to a bench, how fast can you stand back up? Uh, once your ass hits the, hits the bench and it drops a shock. Um, 
that that period of being able to reverse and have that reversal strength coming through uh, is really critical because as you're an athlete, obviously you are planting, you're cutting, uh, you're landing after contacting to go forward again. All of that shock absorption, that reversal strength is very, very important and something that's oftentimes measured by producing uh, explosive strength and speed strength for dynamic effort lifts. So your rate of force production, again, mass times velocity is kinetic energy. Uh, it's roughly how you track rate of force production as well, how fast you produce that max kinetic energy. Um, I talked a lot about max effort, why that's important. Um, and also this, by the way, this whole point, I'm kind of just rambling here a little bit, but it also feeds into why I don't think like stuff like combine bench reps are important. Like, uh, it's that, that test, the, how many times you can rep 225 on the bench is a measurement of strength endurance, uh, not maximal strength, not speed strength, not explosive strength, but simply strength endurance, which is like the least important kind of strength for football, arguably. Yeah. Uh, it's one that's trained way too often. It's why coaches have you run all the time. It's why coaches will have you do high rep sets. It, it almost does not matter at all. Um, there's no scenario where you're having 55 seconds of combined effort in a single play in football. Uh, it's not important in the slightest. It shouldn't be tested whatsoever. Yeah. It's a very poor test, besides the point. Um, basically, to improve your your overall strength and your speed strength, your, your ability to produce force and the rate at which you produce it, um, you have to focus on your maximum effort and your dynamic effort. Um, maximum effort is measured in exactly what it sounds like. You know, how much weight can you lift or, or rather how much resistance can you overcome on a lift? Uh, whether it's weight, weight plus bands, weight plus chains, whatever it may be. Uh, it's the best way to recruit maximum motor units, which is the way you expand strength. It's, it's measured for absolute strength. Um, bodies accommodate to the force placed upon them, right? So if you are only ever lifting a load of 405 pounds, you will only ever accommodate to 405 pounds. Uh, if you're lifting at rate of 500 pounds, you can accommodate to 500 pounds. You recruit more motor units to do so. It's why heavy compound lifts are important in development for the body, for bodybuilding reasons, but also for athletic reasons. Um, every play in football is a maximal effort play. You have to be able to recruit the most possible motor units in a single action to be able to succeed and to overcome your opponent. Like if you're not recruiting as many motor units as you can, he will move faster than you. It's just the way the sport works. Yeah. Someone else will learn how to. You have to do that. Um, the other side is dynamic effort, which is basically speed. It's explosive strength and speed strength. Uh, the difference is just kind of the, the percentage of your maximal effort we're, we're measuring there. Explosive strength is tested in the 30 to 40% in one rep max range. Uh, speed strength is 50 to 60% on bar weight. Um, both of those are used because in order to develop your rate of force production, to become a better athlete, you have to become both stronger and faster at the same time and at the same weight. Uh, that seems obvious, right? <laughs> like that if an athlete becomes stronger and faster at the same time, they get better at sports. Uh, you would think that is very obvious, but people don't train it literally. Like you think an athlete will get stronger and faster by doing, you know, hypertrophy, hypertrophy, like split squat sets, as opposed to, uh, how fast can we do this one way? How, you know, can we train your speed at a certain percentage? Can we train your maximal strength at a certain percentage? Like when, when programs aren't doing that, when they aren't testing those things, how fast you're moving the same weight or if you develop speed or how, how much weight you can move at a maximal level they're ultimately not making you stronger or faster intentionally. They may accidentally do so by some work they're going to unlock where you had a muscle inefficiency that you, they ended up overcoming, but like it's the most efficient path to doing so is specifically training your speed in the weight room uh, and training your overall maximal strength. So, and the reason it's so important is because a lot of programs, a lot of coaches across all sports 
will train you on biomechanical inefficiencies, things like how to run, how to jump, uh, how to engage certain things. It, it's some of the most overrated training in sports, frankly. It's overdiagnosed. Uh, bodies know how to mechanically adjust to like their to the movement patterns they're supposed to go in, right? Like most people, their natural gait isn't really going to be altered. Like you run in a pretty biomechanically efficient way. Uh, some training may be a, like a slight adjustment we need, but if you're running at full speed, your body's going to adjust, right? Like if you uh, jump down from a certain height, your body's going to know how to land and absorb the force. There's just certain biomechanical things you are naturally innately able to do and that you don't need to overtrain repeatedly, but rather you become a better athlete not by trying to tweak those things and make slight gains in efficiency, but just by getting fucking stronger and faster. Um, it's much, much better to do it that way. So um, why do we test velocity? It basically, it, it's it's one of the two biggest measures you have, right? Like if you can move the same amount of force, like Patrick, if I train you to eventually uh, bench 225, yeah. uh, you say, and you bench you say, 225. You say if here, that is a win. When you train me to That's a win. When I train you to bench 225, if you start out, basically if that is your one rep max, I could comfortably stand over you with my chin in your bar path yeah. and let you bench 225 and nothing, you might bump my chin, but there'd be no damage occurred to me, right? Cause you would have to move that heavy weight very slow. You could not move it fast enough. at your max rep yeah. to hurt me. Right. It just wouldn't go that way. On the other hand, let's say I get your max bench to 315. If I put my chin in the path of your bar, you could break my fucking jaw. Yeah. Right. And I will, uh, because you can apply the same amount of force to the same amount of mass. And if your overall maximum strength is higher, the bar will move at a greater velocity. You're applying more force to the bar. Yeah. Um, because you have a greater ability to produce force as an athlete. So when you're producing kinetic energy, your force, uh, mass is important. The ability to move more mass can measure it one way, but you exponentially increase your force, your kinetic energy by increasing your velocity. Um, so a lot of athletes need to train with sub-maximal weights and explosive or speed strength ranges to improve their overall strength because they will accommodate to heavy weights. While you do need to expose yourself to heavy weights, to train at them frequently with little rotation means you will at times accommodate. Um, that means you cannot just squat at your one rep max and add five pounds a week for six months. You will fail eventually. Your body accommodates the same pressures over time. It's not possible to do that. It's, it's called Western periodization. It does not work. Uh, it's been observable. For decades. Um, what is observable though, is kind of also how we produce force and the force production curve in human athletes. Um, so what that means is at certain joint angles for us, force becomes easier to produce. Um, if you are, again, if you're benching or you're jumping, when you're, when you pass the halfway point of the joint in the movement, uh, it becomes much, much easier to produce force. It's why like most of the work you're doing, if you think about yourself jumping from maximal height, right? like that period where you're sinking down to parallel and exploding up, that is the point where you were doing most of the work on the jump. Like when your knees have passed that 400 degree angle, it's you're already accelerating, right? You're all accelerating to the top. You're not adding anything extra to that jump, yeah. right? You understand that makes sense, Pat? Yeah. So the reason why we add things like rubber bands to lifts and what's important is, is for accommodating resistance in a lift. So to overcome that natural force production curve where when you're lifting, like when I mentioned lifting sub-maximal weights for explosive strength and speed strength, uh, you will naturally decelerate at the top of a lift 
and you will reduce your velocity throughout the force production curve because it becomes easier over time to lift a submaximal weight as it approaches the top. So that, that example I mentioned of a, a 315 bencher moving 225, he has to decrease his speed, the velocity of the bar at the top of the lift. Otherwise, it'll fly out of his hands or he'll like hurt his elbows by overstepping that. Yeah. It's natural. However, if you add resistance in a band, you must apply the same force throughout the lift because although the weight it has minimal band tension at the bottom of the lift on your chest, the attention increases throughout the lift. The, the, it, it functions opposite to your natural rate of force production. So if you want to lock out a weight that has, let's say, 25% of your one rep max in band tension, 50%, uh, and bar weight, you have to keep moving the bar fast at the entire lift or else you won't be able to lock it out at all, even though it's below your max rep. So things like training to test for velocity uh, and adding uh, accommodating resistance to sub-maximal weights to improve velocity are essential because they teach you to perform throughout the entire force production curve or at the entire range of motion as an athlete, right? Like if you were a football player, uh, you think about it, the area where it's easiest to extend your arms forward is after they're already past halfway, right? Like when, it, when you already have your arms into a player to lock them out further is the easiest part of that, but not if you haven't appropriately trained your triceps by moving throughout the entire force production curve, which many players don't because they're just moving with simple fucking dumbbells or barbells with no accommodating resistance, no chains, no bands, nothing to teach them to continue to produce the same rate of force throughout the entire lift. Yeah. If you're a player and you aren't jumping higher or running faster, it's often because you aren't continuing to produce force through the entire range of motion. Banded jumps are critical for producing force over time and making players more explosive, faster, um, more agile. This ability to shock absorb, reverse strength, and continue to produce force out the entire uh, range of motion very quickly, very rapidly, is essential to being a great athlete. And it's only done if you train explosive and speed strength appropriately alongside maximum effort strength. It's not done in hypertrophy work. It's not done in strength endurance. It's not done by doing wall sits or running 500 yard sprints. It's it's done by lifting sub-maximal weights very fast or maximal weights efficiently. Yeah, That's it. That's how you develop it. You don't need a coach teaching you how to fix your stride. You need to get stronger and faster. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, I think that that's our, our core identity here our core ideology of the show as well you need to get stronger and faster if you're listening you to the this, listener you're a bad fucking guy if yeah, you get stronger and what faster. the fuck get stronger and faster and then come back better next week and leave us a five-star review on apple on apple podcasts and uh, cast your vote for the the pakistan prime minister that's what right the fuck are you pakistan. Doing? what are you doing <laughs> also uh we uh if you want to leave your five-star reviews too we are me and pat are we're not ready to reveal it yet, but working on some stuff, some new projects that may be coming around the next several months. If you have anything you would like to see the Flipping the Field brand become, any kind of additions to the Flipping the Field, you know, community experience, vibe, yeah, uh, give us some ideas. We'll work on some stuff that I think is going to be pretty exciting for you guys. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, drop us a line on the um, on the Twitter account at Field Flipping. I'm usually the one manning that. I say usually, I'm always the one manning that. Uh, you can also just send us a tweet, but uh, if you don't already follow the Twitter, you should. Again, at Field Flipping, Ryan is at Twitter is on Twitter at B1G underscore Ryan. I'm at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. Um, we will be back next week to resurrect Nick Saban and to revel in the new glory that is Nick Saban's uh, next life here on Earth as a a god among men, which he was apparently not before, but now he's going to be 
we will make we will be making Nick Saban into an unkillable deity, and we will be winning the SEC West in 2022. That's right. Also, by the way, if you post anything Reddit this week, I'm going to hit you next time I see you. Any one of the any one of the listeners of the podcast, if you follow me, I see you posting some Reddit stuff out there. We're coming to your house. Yeah. Get faster, get stronger, delete Reddit from your phone. What are you people doing? Return to tradition, embrace excellence. Uh, Roll Tide. It's time to get jacked and delete Reddit. Roll Tide. Roll Tide.